You've stumbled across exegesis. I'm your queer gay priest, Ben Guerin. Here we talk about Bible, here are some sermons, and generally go about Christianity in a radically queer way that often involves the unexpected. This is a no-strings-attached sermon edition of the podcast, which means we'll hear the Sunday's Gospel, listen to a sermon preached in front of a live congregation, and then we'll do our basic wrap-up. Hope you enjoy. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter. It happened once that a lawyer rose up trying to put Jesus to the test. Master, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked the man, what is it that is written in the law? What is thy reading of it? And the man answered, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with the love of thy whole heart and thy whole soul and thy whole strength and thy whole mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Thou hast answered right, Jesus told him. Do this, and thou shalt find life. But the man, to prove himself blameless, asked, And who is my neighbor? Jesus gave him this answer. A man who is on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell in with robbers, who stripped him and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. And a priest, who chanced to be going down by the same road, saw him there and passed by on the other side. And a Levite, who came there, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on his travels, saw him and took pity at the sight. He went up to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine into them, and so mounted him upon his own beast and brought him to an inn where he took care of him. And next day he took out two silver pieces, which he gave to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. And on my way home, I will give thee whatever else is owing to thee for thy pains. Which of these, thinkest thou, proved himself a neighbor to the man who had fallen in with robbers? And the man said to Jesus, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, Go thy way, and do thou likewise. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be always acceptable to you, O Christ, our Sovereign and Redeemer. Amen. We need to stop romanticizing the Good Samaritan. Yes, just to make sure you heard me, I did just say we need to stop romanticizing the Good Samaritan. We've made a mistake somewhere along the way. We have confused Jesus' explanation of how we are supposed to define 
who our neighbor is with how the summary of the law that you will love your neighbor as yourself is supposed to work. Because if we went about our relationships with others, if we organized our communities, if we organized our best business practices, if we organized our legislation and our laws, so the summary of all of that was love your neighbor as you love yourself, love yourself as you love your neighbor, if we did all that, we would not be a society filled with good Samaritans. We would be a society that had no need of good Samaritans. I think I first got caught up in this romanticization of the good Samaritan in elementary school. I don't know who else remembers those infomercials from the 80s and 90s? I remember distinctly the Save the Children campaign. They all began in basically the same way. We would see a child of color, dirty, dressed in rags, sinews, skin, and bones, struggling to breathe. In some cases, somehow still able to toddle though you wonder what musculature there was on this child to keep them upright, defying gravity. And then the white people would show up, usually with a celebrity that you would at least recognize their face and maybe not be able to name them immediately. And they would have food and they would have resources. And by the end of the infomercial, the children would be dressed and bathed, their cheeks would be full, they would have toys and they would have school. And you could be a good Samaritan in the midst of this for less than a dollar a day. This romanticizing of this idea that we, we too could be the hero of the story, we too could be the good Samaritan. There are similar infomercials around animal abuse and animal cruelty. And I, I don't think I go on social media and scan through my Facebook profile or the like and not see some modern iteration of this. Here's a dog that was found in a horrendous situation. And the first bit of the video is them coaxing the dog out of that space where the dog has been confined. And then there's the trip to the vet. There's the cleaning of the hair and the fur. There's this constant reluctance of the animal to interrelate with a loving and caring human. But by the end, we're getting these stories of this dog that is happy and joyous running through fields in its forever home. This call, this love we have for the Good Samaritan. It's not always a video. Sometimes now they're just these sort of short captions with a picture. One that keeps standing out in my mind is a story of an eight-year-old that has cerebral palsy. And 
this child's family couldn't afford the mobility device that the child needed. Luckily, it was the local high school robotics team to the rescue. They created this eight-year-old a mobility device, which is amazing. It's amazing tenacity. It's amazing ingenuity from a group of teenagers. From good Samaritans, yes, but we need to step back. We need to ask ourselves, how many supposedly fully functioning adults that are in this child's life, that have power and control over this child's life and this family's life, are failing to live lives of mercy, are failing to orchestrate their work and their use of power along the concept of loving your neighbor as yourself. How many legislators have gone through their days as our representatives, as our senators, as our elected officials, and failed to put in place legislation that ensures if an eight-year-old needs a mobility device, that that eight-year-old has the ability to move about their neighborhood and go to school and be mobile? How many health insurance CEOs and board of directors and other such leaders in our healthcare industry have decided that slightly better stockholder options are more important than an eight-year-old being able to have a functioning mobility device? How many of our laws, how many of our supposedly best business practices have to be entirely not based upon the idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves so that we get to a point where children, teenagers, are expected to be the ones coming in and saving the day for an eight-year-old who needs to be able to move around her neighborhood, and go to school. I think about the horror that is GoFundMe. GoFundMe is one of the biggest health care providers in our country. What does this mean? This means that if I am terminally ill, if I am going to die unless I have my next chemotherapy regimen, It means that I have to put forth my trauma, my pain, my suffering open to the world. I have to basically become someone on the side of the road bleeding out for the world to see and hope that through Facebook and other means enough good Samaritans will chip in so I do not die. And it's not always people who are just hoping to be able to afford the next round of chemo. In many cases, GoFundMe accounts occur after the loved one, the child or the parent, has already died. And the medical bills are so high that the rest of the family is about to lose their house. 
They're about to be starving on the streets, living out of their car, unless the Good Samaritans show up. Again, how much of our world, how much of our society has to be completely and utterly turning their backs on the idea that the rules, the summary of our laws is supposed to be love your neighbor as yourself for GoFundMe to have become what it is. For us to have romanticized the idea of the Good Samaritan so much that it's how we actually run our health care system in this country. And here's the really scary thing. Good Samaritans can only do so much. They can only go so far. They can only help so many. And they can only help in certain conditions. There are pediatricians who are showing up to the concentration camps that our country is running for immigrant and refugee children. And these pediatricians are being turned away and are not able to be good Samaritans. Here in Tucson, earlier this summer, we had a trial. We put someone on trial for being a good Samaritan in this country, for offering water, for offering food, for offering shelter to people who were thirsty and needed shade. And our government argued that it is against the law to be a good Samaritan. This is why we can't romanticize good Samaritans, that good Samaritans cannot fix the problem. That if we are not creating a world, a society in which the summary of our laws, in the sense of our summary of our legislation, the summary of our best business practices, the summary of how humans relate to humans every single moment is loving your neighbor as yourself. And we are failing to understand and live into this gospel. Now let me be very clear. I am still going to be giving to GoFundMe accounts. I am still going to be rooting for scrappy groups of teenagers who are in robotics club, who are willing to pick up the slack when society fails an eight-year-old with cerebral palsy. But we can't romanticize these actions. We can't see these actions as anything other than the stopgap measures they are between us and the abyss of pain and suffering that we have created in our society when it comes to the treatment of the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the refugee, and the immigrant. So as you leave here this day, my hope is that you never look at one of these stories quite the same way. Every time you hear one of these stories about a good Samaritan, you step back and say, how are we as a society not living into this commandment that we are supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves? Where do we need to change our rules, our practices, our laws so that they truly become something that can be summarized by loving our neighbor as ourselves? If we can get there as a society, as a country, as a people, then 
then we will be living out this gospel. But the first step to get there is we have to stop romanticizing the good Samaritan. Amen. A special thanks to the Parish Church of St. Michael and All Angels for providing both a pulpit and a live congregation. Sermons do not happen in a vacuum. Our reading of the Gospel today came from the translation from the Latin Vulgate by Monsignor Ronald Knox. It's one of the more poetic translations of the Bible into modern-day English. Like every translation, it has its problems, but it often has a turn of phrase or some sort of new way of looking at the Gospel text that I often find worthwhile. I strongly suggest that you find a copy somewhere and see what you think. This concludes this No Strings Attached sermon episode of Exegesis. As you go forth into the world, or as you are forth in the world, we hope that you have a blessed day and that you find ways to make it radically queer and radically welcome wherever and whoever and however you are. Amen.